Welcome back to 12 Ounces of Sobriety Podcast. I'm Pat Sharp, here as always with my co-host Carson Woodell. Carson, how are you today? We're back. Yes, we had another hiatus for uh, Carson was out of town for work and then Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, I walked in here. It's the first time we've been in studio in like a month and a half because our interview was remote, uh, at least, well, yeah, for for our interviewee and myself uh, a couple weeks ago. Yes, we're both on Zoom. And then before that, we had a, about a month gap. So it's been a minute since we've looked eye yeah, to eye. And we were going to do an interview today, but I told Carson, I said, hey, let's, let's just sit down and go old school. Yeah. Just me and you. We we put, have, yeah, we pushed it we next week. We haven't had an, uh, an episode in just me and you in, I don't know, six, eight weeks. So thought we'd catch up on some things, do some alcohol in the news, and see where it leads us. He misses me. Do you have a good Thanksgiving? I did. It was awesome. It was so relaxed and um, and it was really, you know, nothing to really expand on, but it was just a good, solid day. It's really just what you want. So, yeah, I mean, we went, uh, we just went to my family's house, went to my wife's house after I got my father-in-law to play pickleball with me for the first time. You mean your wife's family house? What did I say? Your wife's house, which I'd imagine to your house as well. It is my house as well. My wife's family's house, in-laws, and uh, yeah, we played pickleball. And uh, looked at some Christmas lights, and it was yeah, it was a great, great day. What about what about you? You went to Florida, right? I did. Went down to Palm Beach Gardens or West Palm Beach area to my sister's for Thanksgiving. Took Tucker along. He had a good time. He is uh, on the floor chewing on a bone as always while we were so recording. him. And for those of you who don't know, West Palm Beach is actually on the east coast of Florida. Just found that out. Didn't realize geography. Yeah, it's west of Palm Beach. Yes. Hence the name. I was just thinking west of Florida. West I was Palm like, oh, yeah, oh, the Gulf. And Pat's like, no. But Atlantic. Anyways, like, okay. yeah, the weather is beautiful. It was in the 80s, went to the beach, um, had a good time. So it was nice to get away for a little bit, get back, get to work, and then we'll make the final stretch through the holidays. But it's crazy. You know, this is my third holiday sober, my second one consecutively sober, that third like holiday season yeah because the first one i relapsed after right and then okay because i relapsed in like january of 2022 and then i've been sober since early march got back in march that's when we met yep okay and so but i was sober during the holiday stretch so then last year of course and and now this year and i don't find it like thinking back on it like i don't miss drinking during the holidays or anything like at no point Am I like, oh, a drink would be nice? Like, I, I've gotten to that point now where I don't think about it any. It's not like, oh, uh, I got a white chocolate through yeah. it or something like that. It's just kind of flows through it. It is what it is. And I've been able to have a great time, eat food, and just enjoy spending time with friends and family. And and without thinking really about the uh, alcohol aspect of it, which was such a huge part of you know my life for so long. You know, I drank every day, but holidays especially. I was of like, course. oh, yeah, it's holidays. Let's yeah, just some, pe- some people had more don't people to drink, drink with. Yeah, some people don't drink normally for the most part, but then the holidays are the actual time. They kind of get after it, and they let loose. I, I'm, that's a good point you make. So this was my first Thanksgiving sober. This will be my second Christmas Oh, yeah, you were sober. in the middle of your relapse last year, weren't that you? I was, re- I was right in the thick of it um, at the beginning of the holiday season last year. Were you, you were, like, hiding it. I was. I was. Um, I 
yeah, last Thanksgiving, that was a tough one for many reasons. I was really struggling and I was all, and then it had the added effect of hiding it and trying to be slick with it. And how successful was I? I don't really know. It wasn't a hundred percent because there were certainly uh, some people in my family that were highly suspicious, but that's neither here nor there anymore. But yeah, yeah, I I game I got back at it and I've been sober since and that was uh December eighth eighth of last year. So Oh, you're th- th- coming up on one year next week then. Yes. Oh. Week from today. Thank you. Yeah, man. It's it's all aw- twenty one months. It's awesome. Yeah, next week. Yeah, it's congrats, awesome. Man. We'll do yeah. a big how do you do? How do you it. do? Uh but yeah, so second Chris, but but you're right. That all I was gonna say was and we are fortunate. I'm not going to look past the fact that some people with their because everyone's disease is different and i've i've shared this with a lot of people and i actually said this on our interview with Lindsay. i am fortunate i don't really know why this is the case but i am fortunate enough to um with my addiction to be able to say you know what i don't bar, barring any random event like hey it's a nice day or i'm on the golf course or the cookout or whatever like yeah i i, I would enjoy a beer but with the exception of that, I don't look at Christmas or Thanksgiving or any event and say, damn, I really wish I could have it. It really doesn't really feel like much of a, like I'm missing anything, you know? And so I'm, you're the same way and we are fortunate because I know not everyone's like that. There's really just a point I'm trying to make. Um, So for those that are listening who saying, I wish I could feel like that, I'm white knuckling it every time. Like, hold out hope. It doesn't mean our addiction's any better or worse than yours. It is just different. And sometimes it is tougher for people to deal with that sort of thing. So I don't want to act like it's all like that. I'm sure there it, it comes in many shapes and sizes. So there's this podcast I listen to. Uh, it's a true crime podcast called Small Town Murder. And this week's episode takes place in New Hampshire for this murder up there. And everybody so far involved in the story, they all know each other because they all go to the same 12-step meetings. Love that. And so there's going to be a murder in there that really happened. So I just, you know, I'm only like, 30 minutes into it. Murder in New Hampshire. Yeah, that's so between between the uh, recovering alcoholics. So interesting story. But yeah, uh, also want to say I am now I'm on the I I touched on this in our last episode briefly. I'm on the board now of this sober living house in the county south of here. It's the only sober living house for men in that county. And it's been around for a couple of years. I just it wasn't just kind of some guy had it and was like, yeah, you can come stay here. And there wasn't really any organization to it. So uh, we got a board together, board of directors. We've filed paperwork and everything. So registered the 501c3 and meeting once or twice a week, you know, trying to, to really get it more established so we can help people out and, um, and get their own. So anybody in the South Carolina area of Chester County need a place for a sober living, reach out. Yeah. I don't know if you can share any of this or maybe you don't even know yet, but if you are able to share and if you do have some plans, do you have an idea of what the first or first few initiatives you guys want to take are? Like, what is your goal going in? I know that you've mentioned what it is currently like. So is there anything in particular that you're thinking to yourself or talking to the rest of the board members where you're going to say, hey, this would be a good first, second, third step, or is that? Are we kind of too early for that? No, we're not too early. You know, one of the things we're doing is me and another guy that's on the board. We're we're doing we're meeting with the people in the house once a week, just kind of do a 
you know, little group therapy session. It's a Christian based uh, organization. Okay. And so that group therapy, you know, involves both faith and recovery. And you guys can obviously share your stories and say, hey, I've been there. Yeah. Which is very comfortable in hearing. Yep. So that the house needed some things. So, so we've done that. Uh, we've gotten a few things done, like the, their heater wasn't working. So, Got that fixed. Got um, your TLC on. Yeah, but mainly getting it set up so we can start getting donations and uh, do some renovations to the house. Um, it should be able to house like 12 people. There's only four right now, so kind of getting the word out um, and finding people that need a place to stay. What's the What's the longevity? Finding them to get you know jobs because we have people that we work with like job placement centers things like that because they're they are required to work if they live there within a certain amount of time they have to you know find jobs and and a lot a lot of it too is just establishing rules and boundaries um setting up the application process and things like that so Mm -hmm. and then once we find the people but we already have some good things in place like i said you know their job placement centers and things like that so these people can work and you know get back on their feet because this place is really kind of to help them, you know, get a job, get back on their feet, have a sober place to live for a while until, you know, they can move out and live on their own. Yeah. What's it, So what's the time frame for people's stay? Is there an average or is there a limit or anything like that? I'm nope. just, and the reason I'm asking, number one, I'm curious. And number two, someone may listen to this podcast either now or in the future when we're talking about it. And this could be something that they could use if they're in the area. And I, feel like that's just good information. So it's not really a set in stone. You'll kind of gauge it as you go through. Yeah, it's not, hey, you can it, come here for two months and then you're gone type of deal. Exactly. Or yeah, it's, I mean, it's set up because um, there is a small fee, rent fee and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's on a month month basis, but nobody's just going to kick you out unless you break in the rules. Yeah. And I, I didn't think you guys would, it would be a hard no eviction, more of a encouragement to leave in the next but whatever even that i don't think if you're doing what you're supposed to be doing and you've been there for a year or two i mean yeah i don't think there's a well you got to go now yeah and they can also be a resource for new people joining as well yep. and saying hey i've been here for a year yeah like we have do's a, and don'ts there's a house manager that, that lives there and he's been there okay. for a couple of years mm-hmm. and yeah. he's a in recovery and everything like that so and you have that to help you know, facilitate and keep up the rules and bring stuff to the board's attention that we might need to act on that and things sense. like that. So it, it's um, it's it's interesting. I'll say that. And I think we're going to do a lot of good with it. But like, you know, just getting the right paperwork filed and stuff is, is a, a good first step and getting this house some desperately some things they need. Like they didn't have an oven. So we got them an oven. Um mm. You know, the heater was broke, but it was just the fan. So we got that replaced. And luckily we, you know, between me and the other board members, it's really been the other board members um, who a lot of them are involved in the church I go to. We uh, have resources to to get stuff like that. That alone is a huge difference. Yep. Even if that's all you did and left, which you're not getting them up to, you know, up to par with the essentials. Yeah, but to really really get it functioning, I mean, it's functioning now. I mean, people can live there, but to get it to probably where it needs to be, you know, we're probably looking at a year to Mm -hmm. get everything 
kind of in place. Yeah, but a lot of it's simple in theory, but when it comes to the actual process of doing it, there are a lot of complexities. I mean, you mentioned paperwork. Paperwork really in any industry or or you well, know, realm, it, it, they're a bitch. It's a bitch. And to get any kind of donations or anything, you got to be a registered nonprofit. Yeah, of course. So, and then, and a, that takes that time too to get step. your name out there. Yes. People to understand they want to maybe see that you are doing good as well in order to feel that their donation is being used appropriately. So, a lot of things going in. So, you're the man for the job. So, so I, you're doing that. I've been thoroughly uh, in, enjoying it. I don't know if enjoyment is the right word to say, but it's enjoyable to help others. It's just, it's a lot of extra work, which is yeah, fine. Sure. Well, and that's the big thing about it is it's not the same as going to get a massage, but at the same time, you're getting di- a different uh, enjoyment, to to use your word, out of working and helping others. And uh, and you you mentioned we we talked about this briefly before, but you're getting uncomfortable with something that you have not done in the past, and that can't be taken lightly for your own personal. Of, yeah. One of the things for me that I have to remember is, you know, some of these people that actually I I just need to realize where like people are coming fresh out of detox because I was there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes it's just like, oh, my gosh. And that's not a bad that's thing. Super irritable. And- yeah. And I mean, I could go, I could go down a laundry list, but yeah, it's tough. And realize I was like that and other people are like that, you know, you get out detox, you still, you know, you think you know it all. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I just need to yeah, realize it's like a shell of a human myself being. back in what I was like then yeah. and, and realize that. And so, you know, that'll take a little time, but cause even if I do, I go through 12 step meetings and stuff like that, you have newcomers and stuff in there. But that's a little bit different. You're only there for an hour. Sure. You're in a group here where sometimes you're dealing with these people on a much, you know, more micro. When they level. go home, they're still there. Yeah. And so, which is fine. Yeah. And it, it will be beneficial for them. And once you kind of get the system down and everything. But. It's a little more, a little more acute than the treatment center that you and I attended. It is. A lot more, a lot more involvement. So, yes. And... To skip to the next topic, uh, I'll call in the news. I found this awesome story on Forbes, and it was wrote by Maya Richard Craven. And the title of it, Three Reasons Why Leaders Should Consider Eliminating Alcohol from Work Functions. Oh, I like that. I do, too. When I saw it, I was like, hey. So it's, an, it's a little bit of a different flavor than our normal news stuff, which I love, but this is cool. Yep. So three reasons. So three reasons are. Set an example for your employees. The next one is reduce the risk of inappropriate behavior. And three, make meaningful conversations. Amen to that second one. Yeah. And so we'll go back to the first one, set an example for your employees. And I think that's important, um, especially from higher up saying, hey, you don't have to drink to network with coworkers no, or to commu- communicate. And by making sure the place that there isn't some, because I've, I've worked in places like that too, where you know, drinking's almost encouraged. It's oh, there, there's a huge drinking. You know, we're bringing beers to the office on yes. Fridays, like at noon, and the um, debauchery that goes on with yeah, blank companies. I may or may not have been a part of them. It's insane. Yeah, and I worked for <laughs> uh, beer companies too, so of course that was. But <laughs> you know, in the office, use your own product on the job. I think yeah, if you're upper management saying hey, 
we don't tolerate that here mm-hmm. and set that example, then you could be really helping out some of your employees because especially some of the younger ones that maybe, you know, if they didn't have that structure at work, they are so laissez-faire about their drinking and, you know, they start drinking at lunch because nobody cares and everybody's doing it. And that can lead to to more of a long-term problem. So I think, yes. you know, if it comes from the top that, hey, we don't tolerate drinking at work or at work functions, then, you know, and so what? If, oh, this isn't a fun place to work. Work's not supposed to be fun. You know, it's work. Yeah, you want it to be enjoyable enough to where you're not hating your life. But at the same time, it's also not a party. So you, you've got to realize that. And yeah, the work functions, those are, uh, I could, <laughs> that's where the, uh, that's where the real things, the real bad stuff can happen um, because you let loose. And, and that's the thing about alcohol too, is you got to take into account it's, you show up at a work function, you have a beer or two, you're, you're still in work mode to an extent. But then after that second beer, you don't care anymore. And that's where that's where it gets people. And the next thing you know, you're closing down the bar at, at 1 a.m., no shirt. Well, and that brings us to the I've second point of reducing the risk of inappropriate behavior. <laughs> I have a segue. feeling that alcohol has contributed to a lot of inappropriate work behavior. Maybe a couple times. It's probably led to some divorces. And some okay. children being born. Some, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? STDs. Some, some allegations. Yes. You know, inappropriate behavior to whatever extent. And, you know, HR, hello, put them on speed dial. It's just, it's an HR nightmare waiting to happen. It honestly is. And it, if treated the wrong way. And we're not saying one beer, but when you get, when you start check, yeah, taking them up. And, oh, you, I was drunk is not an excuse nope. when you're talking to the HR department. Because it's, why the fuck were you drunk? Pat. Yep. And so, luckily, I never did anything real embarrassing drinking. Um, I Well, Me that's neither. not true. I, one time we were at a work holiday, or a, it was like our end of summer bash. And this is when I lived in New Hampshire. And the fantasy football season was starting. And I was running my mouth about how I was going to win the league. And Of it, course you were. It was a work fantasy football league. And so, I made a bet. And we were all drinking that if I did not win, I would get my belly button pierced and so and leave it in for a month. And I did not win and I did get my belly button pierced. I got to say, to leave it in for a I got I'll throw you some respect for for sticking to it. Yeah. I mean, I, how was I supposed to back out? Oh, and then I the, my boss made me wear shirts that showed it off for the first. OK, week. that's that's really funny. That's so, that's not that's an embarrassing thing, but that's not a I really messed up no. embarrassing thing. That's just funny. Yeah, that we we I never should, we should that cut could... that because that's like glorifying, and that's a yeah. No, I, I, I cut it. I've never um, done anything that cost me my job. I've never did anything that right. Uh, I know, anything like that. I know people, I, I know that, people have, yes, that have. I, I've heard the stories. It's wild, and it's one of those things. Where I've you never hear like slept with anyone from work or anything sure. like that. Outside, I mean, if I go back to like when I bartended in right. college. Okay. Yeah. I'm talking like adult jobs. But like, yeah, I mean, I remember in (laughs) there's there's some certain people I have in mind that I love very much that um (laughs) missed work the next day from a night out drinking. I was there, but I showed up. Was I emotionally and mentally present? No. But I was physically present. But there I remember a lot of times people would come in late, they would call out, and our bosses knew our bosses were there. Oh, you got sick? Hmm, that's interesting. You were out with me until 1130. And, and that that's not maybe a fireball offense 
necessarily, but those types of things, they put you on the shit list and they just lead. And especially if you're, you know, new, you, you're a multiple time offender, but it's stuff like that. That's like on the low end. And then the high end is, yeah, you have a lawsuit on your hands or you lost your job or you got in a car wreck. I mean, there, there's just so many things that can well, potentially happen. And I, so cutting it all together is yeah. probably a really good idea. I work for a company lunchtime on Fridays. Everybody went to the bar and absolutely, then kind of show back up, do a half-assed job for an hour. Well, it was fun for an hour, then and then he started bring, getting. Well, then people bring beers in, and so, yeah. and then we go to the bar after work. So you know, it's five o'clock, and you're half in the bag already. Yeah, you're like nursing your pre-hangover at five at the bar across the street because you're coming off the three, four beer IPA lunch, and then you've been sitting at your desk for four hours, and then now it's not fun anymore. No, not you don't sit at your desk for two hours and get it going again. But you say no, anyways, like you, you're like this is my situation. Yeah, and so I wasn't as fortunate as you. Okay, so you know the alcohol in the workplace is a huge deal. So don't do it. I remember I interviewed for a job, and when they were showing me around, they showed me the kegerator in the mm. off or in the kitchen area. Yes, I didn't have that at any of and like the And they had corp- a margarita machine and it's like, "All right, yeah. guys." Yeah, I didn't have those at the corporate jobs, but that is as a huge trend especially now um with like co-working spaces. So I've worked in co-working spots before and you know when they give you the tour, it's like the first or second thing that they talk about. And they're like, so hey, proud of it. Hey, conference room? Kegerator. Huh? Yeah. Look at that. We hey, we rotate our drafts. Local beer. You're like, oh psh, sign me up. Two grand a month. Don't care. We got a kegerator. Like, that's like the kind of approach that a lot of companies, like co-working spots, take just them themselves. And it's just so interesting. It is pretty funny. That's why I actually like I, I was really happy that I saw this article and then Forbes that somebody's writing about this saying, hey, because I think it's a larger issue than people really you know, talk about uh, the third one, make meaningful conversations. Mm. And there's truth to that. I mean, if you're sober and you're at a work function and you're going to not just have drunken conversation, you're have real conversation, get to know people on a more personal level, um, get to know your coworkers a little bit outside of, Hey, they like to party. Yeah. I don't really know much about them, but and it, you know, it, there's no doubt. There's zero doubt that, Alcohol is a social lubricant. But if you talk about getting uncomfortable, learn how to have a conversation sober. You know, hearing that and saying, get to know your coworkers, but without drinking, that's impossible. Not doing that. Um, I, th- I think most people have had those thoughts. It really is possible. And the first few times might suck, but you, well, you can it's, literally it's a just muscle. talk about work if you want. It's like a muscle. To yeah, help sure. break the ice. Sure. That's fine. If you want to do that, then go for it. If you want to bide your time and, and get through the hour, you know, so you can check the box and leave like, hey, that's better than getting shit faced at a work event. But furthermore, you will learn to be able to have those types of conversations if you expose yourself to it. Just do it. It's not that hard. I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, there are many more tough things in life yeah. than having and a conversation sober. I wonder how many you people can do it. in this country have gotten DUIs driving home from a work function. I, I bet I can name three right lot. now off the top of my head. And yeah, probably many more. Yes. Yeah. That is, I, I w- it'd be interesting to hear a percentage of like DUIs mm-hmm. and then who was coming from a work event like on a Thursday night at like 8.30 p.m. or something. Like, oh, no, I'm just coming from work. And they're like, where was work at? We're like, oh, we, yeah. and, well, and the we go-to, and the go-to, and the go-to is always how much you have a drink. Oh, just one beer. 
and then it goes to two, and then it goes to three, and then it's like seven. Yeah, I was two, watching two and a half hours, and was, it's like okay, come on. I was watching this body cam video today. I knew that was coming. I always watch them, and do do. It starts with this cop driving in the road. He's got his lights on, he's, and following a car, and the car's maybe two tenths of a mile ahead of him. And all of a sudden, you see the car hit a uh, electric pole. And just oh, you need to send me that flipping that, around. That sounds juicy. And then, so he stops. He gets out. The poles on the ground. There's sparks flying and stuff. And he gets out and he runs down. And then this lady's like getting out of her car and she's got blood running down her face. Oh, and she's a local newswoman in Ohio. So is she going to report herself? I don't know on the story. She and like plays both roles. So he's like talking to her and he's like, "How much have you had to drink?" She's like, "Just one glass of wine." Mm-hmm. That, that did that to you? Yeah, she blew a point two six six. Oh my god! The glass was one hundred and twenty eight ounces. So, and she was at a family function, but I'll send it to you. It, it was pretty good. Mm. I love watching that stuff. I don't know why. I think part of it is the We're fact that I head. know I'm so lucky. Yeah, I wasn't on one of those. One hundred percent. So lucky. I'll be honest with you that that is probably the biggest reason why you and I like that. Other than the fact that yes, and I think are, it teaches me like. You don't ever want to go back to drinking and end up in this yeah. position. Well, exactly. But yeah, you're absolutely right because you think about it. Well, I think about myself and I did not watch videos like that while I was drinking because it would honestly give me anxiety because I'm like, this could be me tonight. I would be like, oh, this is going to be bad karma, me watching it, this. Yes. You think about that yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm looking at the story and this is going to be me in X amount of time tonight, next week, next year. And it just, it's kind of like it. Is the snowball effect of anxiety. So I would never watch it. Now I embrace it. I'm like, yeah, do I, do I wish it happened to these people? Like, no, of course. But number one, I mean, they do make it interesting and, and, and enjoyable to watch it. I hate to say that, but also number two, I also like, I, I love law enforcement stuff. I like seeing them it, interacting, but yeah, yeah. But, but then also you're like, thank, thank goodness. I am not this person anymore. Hundred percent, and so it was interesting. And then watching her do the sobriety test, she was mm-hmm. just an awful. Job. That's another thing, like watching these people do these sobriety tests, and you're just like, that's oh the funniest gosh. part of all. Of but it. and then you watch that, and you're like, that's how alcohol affects you. Yeah, and I'm like, that's your boy. Of course, people in the comments uh, section of it were like roasting this woman for good reason, but they were roasting her because she didn't. I mean, it was her. She's never been in trouble before, and so. And she lost her license for a year. Mm, yeah, was given probation and a fine, and that was it. People yeah, but like, she got she, a pretty good for her first little yeah, interaction like, with law enforcement. And people are like, "Oh, you know," and they're like, "The cops are treating her too nicely." And I and I put in there, I said, "Well, a lot of body cams, people are assholes, and the cops are going to be assholes back to them." This lady was she was really nice and like polite. Yeah. And it doesn't like, have to listen to, be, to yeah. them. You, you don't have so to treat them they, like shit. Like, yeah, you're you're cordial. You're just you, I, those are the best ones. Is when the police officer does their job, they are cordial. They're treating the person with respect. The person treats them with respect back. Let's call it for what it is. Yeah. You messed up. You've got to go to jail. Most of well, them like, it, hey, I get it. And then some of them are like, nah, yeah, yeah. Early, and then it gets real yeah, good. Early on, the cop's like, so what's going on tonight? And she goes, I just really messed up. You know, like she knew it. And then and she, it, and then they charge her. I mean, people were like, she should have gotten jail time, blah, blah, blah. I'm like. Well, unfortunately, in our judicial system, the first time DUI, most places, you're you're not going to jail. You're going to get a fine and you're going to be on probation. Yeah. And if you treat them with respect, it goes a long way because then you're going to end up getting 
you know, a battery charge or something yes. that, you know, yeah, threatening a cop, of those especially get, when you're drunk, they'll be like, yeah. I'm going to kill you. A what? Resisting arrest or yeah. And then those yeah. are felonies. When yes. They start getting felonies on top of a misdemeanor DUI yeah. charge. So it, you got to kind of got to rip it off like a bandaid because you're pro- the, the likelihood that you are going to get out of it is highly. It, it's so well, low. So just give it up. I know someone who literally is about 15 years ago, but he was he was on his way home. He had been drinking. He got in a traffic stop. He literally he put his hands up. And like, you know, he got out of the car and said, I am not good to drive. Please like do what you got to do. And he just, and he honestly, I don't think the repercussions were that bad because he just, he did what he had to do. And that's probably the best way to approach it. If you have already caught yourself in that position. That's like the video we reviewed with the lady, the teacher that got arrested. She would have been fine. Had she just admitted to it, she would have went home. But because she argued and, you know, and then she got a resisting arrest on top and of she it. And prob- she probably wouldn't have been a part of a viral video as well. No, no. She was just called somebody, gotten a ride. But it you got to think about that now these days. However, think arrest of, and video. But think of when we were in active addiction, how our actions were. We're You're just not rational. You don't think rational. Yeah, it's a lot easier for us to say this stuff. Yeah, to armchair quarterback <laughs> it. Being sober. So anyways... I find that stuff fascinating, and that's why I love watching, you know, body cam videos and, and seeing people uh, that are in, you know, whether drugs or alcohol, under abuse. And and I think it does, like, all right, I don't, I know if I drink again, I will end up just yeah. right back there Yep. in that. Because I, I am very lucky I was never got arrested for anything. And we're both very fortunate, you know, and so try to take lessons for that because i know it will happen if i go back out there right so um so when i was on my way over here i had a million thoughts going in my head in a good way because again you and i we we haven't been as consistent in our recording just because of our insane schedules um and so i was thinking about all right what do we want to talk about today versus later and i was listening to one of my favorite podcasts uh part of my take and they had one of the greatest Panther football players of all time uh, on an interview, Cam Newton. And the reason I'm bringing this up is they were, they got into a lot of stuff, but they were talking about trusting the process. And that is a very, if you played sports or watch sports, you probably heard that term a million times. But what they were doing is they were talking about another team this current year. And if, and disclaimer, if you don't listen to sports, bear with me just real quick. I'm not going to get into anything too in depth. My point will be made. Um, but they were talking about the the Denver Broncos and the Broncos have had a bad couple seasons, but they've been turning it around this season. And they were saying, all right, Cam, why do you think this is? You know, do you think it was this? Do you think it was that? And he said, listen, I, I'm not in that locker room because I don't, you know, I'm not there. So I don't exactly know. However, I will say this is, and he pointed out their quarterback, who is the leader on the football field, Russell Wilson. He's saying he shows up for work every single day. He does the same thing. He trusts the process. You don't see him waver despite whether they're 12 and five or five and 12. And the point is, is he knows what he is doing. He knows that the things are going to go up and down and sideways and in circles, but he is staying committed to his process in the event that it will eventually turn around. Now to pivot, you probably know where I'm going with this, but then I think about, I think about my team, the Carolina Panthers. Oh boy, we are not good this year. One in 10. And it is so easy to look at this team and talk about the ownership, talk about our we we are go, have a revolving door with all of our head coaches, and nothing is consistent. It, but you, 
But when you delve deeper into it, what do you think these guys are doing? You know, it's so easy to get mad at football players or any, any, you know, anybody that you watch. What do you think they're actually doing in the locker room? Do you think they're just sitting on their asses and just being like, oh, like, no, they're working their butts off. At least I hope they are. Um, So what are their options here? So a team that is in turmoil, are you just going to quit? All right, well, that's quitting your job. So you're going to have to go find something else that I can almost guarantee you won't be as lucrative as being a professional football player. Those guys make money. So they are going to have to continuously, they're going to need to make changes, but they're going to have to keep showing up and doing what they do every single day. And so I was thinking about that and reflecting and I'm thinking, yeah, I mean, it is so easy to get discouraged when you are trying to stay sober. It might be one mess up, two mess ups, 18 mess ups, more than that. For me, I'm thinking, and this isn't to say, hey, oh, look at me, I did it. No, I have a long way to go, but I'm coming up on a year sober. And this time last year, I was in the midst of a, a, a pretty bad relapse. I mean, I got after it. I made up for lost time and things were really, really bad. And so I know I'm, I'm ranting a little bit on this, but I just like that, um, you know, hearing that and saying, listen, some of this stuff is going to be so fucking hard. You got to dig deep. And I know we've said this a lot, Pat, but you have to understand that it is a long process. Things are not going to go away your way. And most likely you are going to mess up. Now, a mess up doesn't have to be a relapse. Relapses are very, very common, but mess up in whatever not regard. requirement. They are not a requirement. No. But regardless, if you have your one in 10 season, a.k.a. you relapse for three months and you're acting like you're still sober, a.k.a. me, or you have a little mishap or this and that, dig deep, get get like get uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as you possibly can and push as hard as you can, because this is worth it. And I just wanted to say that real quick is because I know, I mean, especially the holidays man, shit sucks sometimes. And, you know, your family's going to piss you off or. Maybe, you know, things aren't the way that it used to be or you can't drink, whatever it is. Yeah, don't let one slip up, you know, ruin everything that you've worked on for so long. Exactly, because I think about this, if I had let my relapse, just me personally, and Pat, the same for you, but if I had let that just take me out last year, dude, I'm coming up on a year sober and like, yeah, do I have many, many more years to go? Will it still be tough? Of course, but I think about this year and how much I've been able to do and accomplish since I got sober the second time on December 8th of 2022. Oh my God. Like yeah. I've a career year, man. I lost a ton of weight. I got healthy. I, and I'm in, I'm actually enjoying my fucking life. Yeah, who this is my, who would have thought? Yeah. This is my third time getting sober and you know, um, I'm glad I, I stuck with it. And, you know, after the first try and the second try, you know, got to my third try. And now, you know, once it finally sets in, um, things are great. So, yeah, I mean, I know I know someone who's on his seven, 16th or 17th try right now. And there's no doubt that that is hard and that sucks, but he he still hasn't let it take him out. He still is working his ass off. and I've been very proud of him. And maybe this is the time that it sticks. Maybe it's not. We're not going to know that, but the only way it will stick is if he continues to wake up every single day, do his routine, the good routine, whatever that looks like for him, whatever is going to put him in the best position to stay sober. And that's what these freaking football teams have to do. That's what artists have to do in, in all categories. That's what we all have to do is do the right stuff, trust the process, and maybe, just maybe, you'll flip a one in 10 team around Hey, and we'll go to the Super Bowl next year. Doubt it, but 
let's get after it. So, uh, that was that was it. Uh, that wasn't anything groundbreaking. Um, but great message to but, wrap things up. But we up just got to keep, yeah, keep throwing the message out there. And especially we haven't been we haven't been recording consistently. And it's you know whatever gets you excited. Go pull up Game of Thrones and pull up the uh, Battle of the Bastards. That face you gave me. I was going somewhere with that. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it was a speech they gave before the before the Battle of Bastards. I, I tried watching the first episode of Game of Thrones you three suck. or four times. You suck so much. And could never get halfway suck, through you it. You suck so it just, hard. Ugh, it's it's one of, it's one of the greatest series of all time. Guys, just I'll just take your word for don't, it. I'm never take my word for it. it. That's fine. But what <laughs> what I was trying to say is whatever gets you excited. It, it's a song. It's a, reading a certain excerpt in a book that you love. Watching Game of Thrones bump up war speech. It doesn't matter. Put yourself in the right headspace. Do what you love to do and what gets you excited because everybody's different. And then approach every single day like a new day. And it's a new task at hand. But enjoy doing it and we'll just work your ass off. And you're gonna get there. I promise it works. Anybody who's been successful in anything will tell you the same thing. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you can do so on Twitter or Instagram. Our Twitter or X is 12 Ounces Sobriety Podcast. You can find us there. Um, or you can email us at 12 Ounces Sobriety Pod at gmail.com, which I haven't checked in probably six weeks. Yeah. It, it, I need to. Can you? Yeah. I'll start checking it. You said that like two months ago you were going to. Doubt it. I just always forget. To. Never so said it. I apologize if it. I have an email in there. And we haven't gotten back to you. So uh, I'll check that right now. And here's Pat's phone number in case you just want to text him directly. Well, I'm just kidding. Yeah, because I get back to your text so often. Oh, too. God, he's a terrible texter. Of course, I All am right. too, though. Thank you, everybody. All Have right, a thanks. good week.